1: Midica.
2: Hey, B! Kepka, Habes—another win for uh, the official golfer, I think, of the ham pod, John.
3: Yep, it's uh, A.K.A. White Tiger. People, people laughed at me, thought it was hyperbole, thought I'm jumping the gun. I thought about this today, guy.
2: This is—wait, were you the first person to call him White Tiger? Yes. I thought I heard that somewhere else.
3: I made it up. I might not have, okay. but I, I mean, I, I didn't see it anywhere else. Again, I was being tongue in cheek when I first said it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone calls
2: him that because it is kind of crazy. I, I thought that, uh, I'm not fucking with you. I thought that I'd heard it on a golf. Maybe not, though. I don't know. I can't Here, remember. Here's the way I would say it to judge
3: his greatness. Since Tiger, if you had to take, let's say, a substantial amount of money for someone, like $5,000 cash, 10, let's say $10,000 cash. Now, the average American, I think I've read, doesn't have like $1,000 saved up. So, whatever the yeah, a shitload of money would be, and you had to put it on one player, like that guy was playing someone else, not Tiger in his prime, who would you feel the most comfortable doing it with? It would 1,000% be Kepka, right? It wouldn't be Rory. It wouldn't be DJ. It wouldn't be maybe mid-2000s Phil would be up there. But I, I know if I had to put my money... Where my hyperbole mouth is, it would be on the White Tiger, who just drubbed Northern Ireland today.
2: Yeah, I feel like I was the first one to say that he reminded me of Tiger in his prime.
3: Maybe he did I just started calling him the White Tiger? Just because I, didn't le- uh, yeah, I did not
2: brand it. Yeah, White Tiger's good. Legitimately,
3: is a White Tiger guy.
2: When you hashtag White Tiger on Twitter, it should come up with a White Tiger. I know. I'm going to tweet that out now. As we're uh...
3: tweet out what. Don't ever sleep on the white tiger. I copied and pasted a picture earlier today. I was saving it till oh.
2: one. There you go. What was that how many Kepka tweets does that make it for? Uh... We're recording this on a Sunday. This is out on a Monday. <laughs> but
3: uh, for the day, probably like four or five.
2: Yeah. Oh, my, I think
3: it's five. My, my, my biggest problem was that uh, I have been such a shitty gambler in 2019 that the easiest bet I think I've ever seen in my life. I swear to you. I mean, it was just the most outrageous gambling. The easiest way to make money I think I've ever seen since gambling on sports was last night when Kepka was playing against Rory. I mean, they're playing against the whole tournament, but they were paired together in this WGC tournament. You could get him at plus 225. He wasn't five shots back. Rory was 12 under. He was 11 under, and they were paired together. Again, I'm such a shitty gambler. I couldn't afford a loss. (laughs) Even though I 100% knew he was going to win. So I did not. I'm not claiming I made any money because I did not bet. Yeah. Uh, Though the degenerate in me kind of was like I walked to my computer this morning at about 1030 in my office. I'm like, maybe I'll just throw a couple hundred on it. But the odds were already way below. Like they'd already. People have been hammering it because it was like plus 165 by. Brooks wasn't even at the course yet. I think at like 1015 in the morning.
2: No, he was not. They had a shot. I know you tweeted the the photo, and uh, I was watching when they showed his parking spot. Which apparently these guys have to drive themselves. Like Rory drove himself. Well, I think usually like your caddy or your manager drives you. Well, they had video of Rory, and he was he was <laughs> he had to like because the, the Fords they give him are like expeditions, and he had to like squeeze it into a parking spot right next to. There wasn't a lot of room. He had to like five point turn it to get it in there to wedge it in. But, uh, yeah, less than an hour before tea time, Brooks was not there. Like, I get antsy for one of my big rounds, John, when I'm not, you know, getting work done an hour before. But maybe that's the thing is, like, you, you get yourself antsy. But then he did say that he had, like, warmed up. He had done some warming up, did his weights earlier in the morning.
3: <laughs> he's not missing, guy. Uh, he's not missing a weight session on a Sunday morning. I think the average golfer, if you're playing a super nice tournament, or, I mean, not a tournament, but a super nice course, like when you went to Pebble – Weren't you a little nervous in the morning? Not nervous, Yeah, and I did, not, like, get,
2: I did not get much warm-up in either. Like, I hate that feeling.
3: Yeah, so, but it wasn't because if you could have, you would have liked to hit a lot of balls. You just it wasn't even an right. option, probably, right?
2: Well, just, it was pretty early. I would have had to get there, but it was... Yeah. I mean, I could have. Well, that's,
3: that's the problem sometimes when you got like, tee-off at 7 a.m. I got a quick question, though, about parking. The other day, I have a Tahoe, and a park in my garage, like most people that live in the Bay Area, our garages are not... This is not Fresno. You know, you don't have huge garages to park or Arizona or whatever. As Vita Blue once said, yeah. yeah. Real estate is – you don't have much space. So parking in my right. garage is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. So if it's during the week and I know I'm going to go back to my car later that day, I will just park in slots that are just open for the public in my area. Sometimes – and I will wear this. I'm not the best parker. Just because to park there really quick. And I'll kind of maybe hug the parking spot next to me. Mm-hmm. One lady one time said something to me, just be careful, it's harder for her to get in. And so I was like, okay, yeah, no problem, my, my fault. Well, the other day, like within the last week, I must have done a really shitty parking job. Again, angled, but was still in the own stall. Like I was not crossing the stalls. I came down to my car a little later, person had left a, uh, like a sticky note. Now the sticky note was like from Facebook, so clearly this person works at Facebook, because <laughs> it was like uh, a Facebook letterhead. Uh-huh. And said, "Can you please park better? You make it difficult yeah. for us residents."
2: Uh huh.
3: And even though tech, I might have been in the wrong a little bit, I kind of snapped. It pissed me off reading that. Yeah. I dropped then the note on the ground, and I thought to myself, "Did I just litter, or did that person just litter? Because technically, I didn't create this writing or this note. She did." And then I, when I came back from like picking up dinner or wherever I was going that night the note was already picked up because the car was gone. so it was it's kind of a passive aggressive lebron like anger we have for right guy there's a
2: lot going on here i would say first of all there's only i've been to your place there's only like three or four visitor parking spots there yeah it's four so both so this is a resident these are two residents well, taking up visitor spots well no
3: it's it's four there there are open spots also on the other end
2: too that are like 10 there there are a lot I'm just saying you're a resident, and this person is mad at you because they're a resident, and they're also taking a visitor's spot. So we got two residents here, both, you know, I mean, like, you could write a note back, like, wait, you're a resident? Why are you parking here? So there's that, but I'll put that aside. Well, I think
3: here's the thing, guy. A lot of people, like, let's say, you know, you and your wife lived in my complex. You might have two cars, so you use your spot, and then you use the other open spot for your double
2: car. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I'm not, obviously,
3: I'm just a one-car resident. I have a spot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so uh I tend to think like if you're in your spot I've got a hard time yeah
3: was not, I'd like was like not you to be crossing straight over
2: if you're between the lines then yeah you make my angle a little tough especially if I'm like hugging that like I'm on the end and there's like a pole that holds up the overhang but at the end of the day like if you're in your spot you're in your spot maybe it takes a little more turning for me but it wasn't that that's not it wasn't that noteworthy I yeah like to me uh My big issue with parking is when parallel parkers... Like, there's some spots near me where there's two cars fit there. But the first car has to... Can't, like, give itself a three-foot buffer behind or else two cars can't fit. Those are the ones that piss me off. Because that really does affect the ability to park. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, I think you littered. Even though I did not create
3: the piece of paper or put the paper on my car.
2: Yeah, you dropped it on the ground. But, again, it's like... To me, that's like when you... uh, at the end of a shot clock, you throw the ball to somebody else and then they get the turnover? Like, it's kind of on both people. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I like that. Uh, Although, I guess that one's probably more on the person that made the pass, so that would be more on your side. Like, I do think the note could have... Like, I thought that... I think the note... Her first line, guy? Her first three words? This is
3: what got me hot? Please park better. Period. And then she kind of went into some other stuff.
2: See, like, I... I, (laughs) I don't like. I feel like I've conjured up some notes in my head that were a lot more aggressive than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I, I, why are you a piece of shit? <laughs> like, that, those are sometimes the ones that I think I'm going to leave. I've never left one ever, but I've wanted to leave thirty. I,
3: I would agree. I mean, it wasn't so. Like super please over park the top.
2: better. Like that's that's what Bella, that's what Parcells would leave. Uh, park w- better.
3: To me, I think I was super angry because I felt passive aggressiveness from yes. her.
2: Yes. Yep. No, I think you're. I, I think over, over I understand why you're wasn't, angry.
3: wasn't, like, again, like, it, it'd be one thing, you know, when you got to open your car three inches and you can't even get in your car. Like, I, this is impossible. Right. It was not that right. situation. It really was it's, not that it, big a the deal. The tough
2: part is it puts you in a spot where you want to park worse just out of spite.
3: 100%. Because she also left a line, like, you got a really big car, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it was maybe it was like I'm viewing her kind of liberal hippie. You, well, you how know. do
2: you know it's a woman?
3: Because I'm assuming, again, I'm assuming it's the same, it's person? The same person that kind of snapped at me
2: Six months gotcha.
3: ago, I, yeah, I, mean, I could be wrong, and then my whole premise of this whole anger is off.
2: But well, but the way they wrote the note made me feel yes. like they have repeated feelings about one thousand percent. Yeah,
3: one thousand percent. I'm pretty sure I know the culprit. And, and you know, here's the other thing, guy. Like I, I live in a building with Joe Stiglitz. You know, most people in the Bay Area have seen him around. Covered the Ace forever. Works Cal. Just a just a baseball dominant media man. Great guy. You just you have interactions with them like normal humans. Very friendly. Love Joe. This lady, she's the meanest person in the building. She's just kind of I've seen her sometimes just like dropping off cash or I mean uh, trash. She, you could just tell like she is not the friendly neighbor. <laughs> she is an edgy, edgy woman. So that's okay, well, that was yeah, extra that part of me getting too. mad at the note. Like you Uh-oh. don't get to take your anger out on me, honey. You're not my boss, and you're not my parents. Like those are the people that get to get mad at me. If I had a boss, I don't, but it it, and the police, yeah, and the police like you, you're not allowed to snap at me. Maybe that's maybe that's a level of entitlement that John Middlecoff shouldn't have.
2: Well, I do think there is like usually in those situations, if you just had a normal conversation, there's a way for that situation to be diffused just in an adult way.
3: And I think part of it too, guy, was when I like saw she's a techie. Now, she's older, I mean, she's probably in her mid to late 40s, but like, no, sorry, honey it ain't rolling like that at at Oak Park. I sometimes Uh, sometimes create bigger problems, I'll be the first to admit.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Ease, John. E-A-Z-E. Maybe drop an edible on the uh, hood of her car. And EaseWellness.com. Promo code HAM.
3: Promo code HAM, guy. Ease.com. EaseWellness.com. Ease.com. Celebrating... Their fifth year in existence. Mm. We got deals, we got deals, and we got deals. You go to their website. If you live in the Bay Area, you live all over California, Ease.com will deliver to your house. Uh, edibles, vapes, pre-rolls, you name it. They got it all. Promo code HAM, $20 off your first purchase, over $50 free delivery. If you already use the promo code, tell your friend, use your roommates, and then order some more. Also, Ease Wellness uh, for our CBD users and uh, we love CBD CBD upper CBD downers people that have like the Todd Gurley arthritis you rub a little of the CBD uh, lotion you feel better it works I mean we got you see Bubba today chewing away uh, CBD gum uh, I'm not sure they have the CBD gum but you can search I haven't been able to find it but I'm sure that if they don't have it, they'll get it soon easewellness.com promo code ham $20 off over $50 free delivery guy
2: yeah. last, last two nights I've been out John uh, uh, Friday night House of Prime, somebody had the vape. Saturday night, Monaloa, Loa, there was a pre-roll and edibles. Uh, so they, I know everybody's in the mix. like when you my point being like when you say five-year anniversary, like they've been working hard and long to build to the point now where it's just everywhere you turn. When
3: you say pre-rolls, like people lit up a joint
2: inside Monaloa? Loa. Well, no, the people I was with had earlier pulled out a pre-roll, but not inside Mauna Loa. Oh, at the... Before our buddy Brian Hawkins won a bunch of money on Papa Shot. Gotcha, After gotcha. some marina bro tried to hustle him and ended up getting hustled himself. You're saying
3: at... at is it called Dolores Park? Is that the... Yeah. Just yeah. at Dolores Park is probably a place yeah. where a lot of pre-rolls go down,
2: wouldn't you say? Right. Yeah, yep.
3: It's a place our that buddy, gets...
2: Our buddy Brian, uh, from what I heard, the story, I was not there, but the story I heard, he just thought there was somebody named Dolores, and they were going to a party at the park by her house.
3: Have, have, the, have the Habermans ever gone to Dolores on 420? That's probably... Uh, no. no.
2: That is, I've been in Davis on 420. Would
3: you call Dolores Park on 420 the equivalent
2: of San Francisco Super Bowl? I <laughs> San Francisco has several Super Bowls, John. But
3: that's one that they take it very, very seriously. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> You've got a cloud coming from that bad boy, and hopefully, they use. I, I hope we. you know what might not be a bad idea? Is mm. next year we go and we print banners of passing out with our promo code Dolores, kind of some grassroots marketing of our promo yeah. code and hand them out. At Dolores I don't Park. know
2: how many first time ease users there are there. Might have been a lot of repeat customers, <laughs> that's true. but it's a good call. <laughs> but you get to use our uh, promo code once. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Ease.com, E-A-Z-E, promo code HAM, and Ease Wellness, which is nationwide CBD shipment. uh, Ship to your door, two to three business days. Of course, Ease, like John said, 21 and over. Get verified online in minutes. Quick drops, 20 bucks off your first delivery with the promo code HAM, and all deliveries on orders over $50 are free.
3: I did, when I drove away, I thought to myself for a minute, like, you shouldn't litter. Though, I justified it kind of in the back of my head, she littered.
2: You, I'll end it on that. You know, times times change, man. You think about, like, right now if you're driving behind somebody and they just throw, like, a big gulp out the window. Like, how, when was the last time you saw that happen? Uh, Did you just do no, that? No, Is that no, what no. That Sometimes,
3: called? like, a cap or, like, a ketchup packet. You know, does that count?
2: Yeah, I think that, <laughs> that definitely counts. It's well within yeah, the lines Yeah, but I would
3: never go big gulp. No. It, it may be just a cap or something. But, yeah.
2: It's good to see. By the way, hams. How good are the hams? We haven't. We've been working through some audio improvements. How good are the ham studios? I think look uh, and sound. Well, we got both games. Would we you say this TV's is the best on.
3: investment we ever made? Getting a studio down in Silicon Valley.
2: It's fantastic. So convenient. Yeah, it sounds good. It's Big good. logo up on the wall. Sounds good. We, we'll give out our address soon. You guys can come visit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, a lot to get into. Nick Bosa. We talked about this on Friday. Signed. Monday. By the time uh, you're listening to this podcast, or as you listen to this podcast, maybe Middlecoff is uh, firing down to 49ers camp at Levi's Stadium. Monday is the first padded practice for the 49ers. Um, Bosa debuted in practice on Saturday. Second practice guy as a 49er. Well, yeah, I mean, all the camp. Uh, got hurt I mean really Is it his second Or is it like Really his first If he got hurt on Immediately in the first one You could argue It's the only um, one He's ever finished But there were some uh, Some good quotes Coming out of it Joe Staley Was impressed um, Mike McGlinchey Was impressed Robert Sala Said he wins In close quarters McGlinchey Described him As a technician um, He's polished Big powerful kid Smart enough To use his hands Get down To bend around The corner likes get into your body uh I mean it's not bad John I don't know how much stock we put in it but it's not not terrible like you know what I think about when I read some of these quotes is what you always told me when you were in Philly uh is just how like the first day and I would count this as really his first day since his first day got cut short before anything really happened. you can
3: always say in OTAs if it's ugly we got keep training camp
2: how when you would see a guy, like your first pick, like you'd know pretty quick, like, oh, we okay, okay. Everyone would just take a deep breath or like, uh, this guy okay. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, this receiver, can he catch? Yeah, to, to me, the
3: pressure on this player, you know what I kept coming back to and we talked about it a little bit last week is my timeline, I don't know about yours, and maybe it's because I just fall randomly. A lot of Cleveland people has been inundated with Odell Beckham highlights. So at the end of the day, this guy is not just being compared to a normal number one pick. And not just going to get compared to when Quinnen Williams and Josh Allen. And before we started recording, I looked at my timeline and there was like, uh, I guess the Tampa Bay Bucks put on pads today. And Devin White had some sweet tackle for loss. Like he's going to get compared to all those guys. Because the 49ers could have picked in any of those. He was the number one player on their board. Defensively. In a defensive draft. But also Odell Beckham. Who you, who was? It's not like you had to trade for Odell and then pay him. He was under contract and he was 24 years old, so you could have had Odell Beckham. I, I I think the pressure and the intensity on this individual it just is sky high, and it's yeah it's positive, but not typically after day one or day two because now as we're recording this, you had two practices here. You know, Joe Staley. What do you think of uh, Nick Bosa? He stinks. You know, it's it's always gonna be positive and upbeat. Right. But, you know, I, I, I've seen enough Barros and the Mayokos and those type guys that all said he shined. So, And those guys aren't, they're not picking a side one way or the other. So for them to say that a guy just had a good day, which is a good thing. Now, I also think this guy, of all the sports that you can possibly cover, this is the one where you can have a legitimate team practice and it really have little meaning to the actual sport until the even the pads come on. And then you could argue with the way the practices are in 2019, they don't even parallel the sport as much. Now, we'll get into a little later. I think the I think hitting and jacked up, those segments are coming back in the NFL. Roger gave everyone the green light. You could start tweeting big hits from training camp again. So maybe the physical nature is coming back a little bit, some, some Junction Boy style. But I... <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd say it's a positive. I'd say it's a positive. I'm gonna go see him in practice, but again, even in, even when the pads come on, you know, it's not like McGlinchey and whoever, you know, they're double teaming him, driving into the ground. So it's you just want to see the speed and the t- he's a technician and all that BS. I, I knew that. To me, it's just going to be like when you line up. I don't even know who they play week one. Whoever they're playing week one is he good enough?
2: Week one of the uh, regular season or week one of the reg- uh, the, the regular season? you know who their week one opponent is? John, off the top of my head. And as soon as this page loads. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously Tampa. At Tampa. That's who they open up with. Ugh. 10 a.m. Tampa game, Sunday morning. Gross. No, that game's 125. Week two is 10 a.m. at Cincy. Ugh. They open up back-to-back on the road. Yeah.
3: Shows you Middlecoff has an, I You know, the funny thing is, like middle you are a raiders hater i can name their two, two first opponents with ease monday night denver broncos and the kansas
2: city chiefs at home how about that well those are cool because those are cooler games john these the, the niners but you but you have we,
3: to admit you can't be you can't call me a niner homer if i don't even know who they open up with i mean we're, we're july 4th, you're over you're
2: overcompensating clearly uh they at tampa at cincy pittsburgh at home than a bye than Cleveland Monday Night Football would you
3: say it's realistic that they're 2-0 and with the Steelers coming in
2: two road wins well since he's going to be terrible AJ Green's out yeah
3: AJ Green's out and Tampa's just not very good but I think the one thing you always say it, NFL much more in college but I think college is a little like this than anything I mean week one you don't know you're shitty yet so Tampa could be a five win team they don't know that they think they're a playoff team
2: that's why you see a lot of weird scores week one. Not not to get into like uh, yeah, you're, it's you're, it's true. I, not to get into the Niners schedule breakdown, but they play. Okay. They play I'm always down for a good schedule breakdown. Well, I just mean like this isn't new information to you know the, the people that are listening. But.
3: but I think it's out of touch. Out of like the schedule comes out. That's everyone's true. fired Okay, up so here's so here's
2: here's here's the they they play the Rams week six. Then they play the Cardinals week nine, which is um, a Thursday night Halloween night. Okay, that Cardinals game week nine is their second divisional game. So they got four of their divisional games after week ten. Yeah, because then they go Seattle, Arizona again, Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, Atlanta, the Rams second meeting, and Seattle second meeting. They
3: play. They play the Arizona Cardinals twice in three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, you're. I, so I, I feel so like Heywardman's kind of like, on
2: the Cardinals' bandwagon right now. <laughs> we'll get to them too. I'm down on the schedule right now. Is what I am. You think it's hard? Like I like divisional game. I like just like give me a couple divisional games in the first month and a half. Like all these are just Pittsburgh. Okay, that's cool. Like Cleveland's cool, but at Washington, Carolina.
3: Well, that's part of when you get a last place schedule. So they're playing shitty teams. I know. Again, in theory, that's it's hard to tell.
2: That's fine. That's what I'm saying. Like, I get that. I just want the divisional games.
3: You think you could do a better job making the schedule than the people back at the yeah, league of office?
2: Yeah, of course, no question. If only I had to make one team schedule, I definitely could nail it. Anyway, um, Nick Bosa. You, you, I, well, I, I was thinking this because yeah. I keep coming around. I'm going to compare
3: Bosa. Equally as much, if not more, like if Odell Beckham goes on like one of the great true three year runs, which I think he might go on now these next couple years. Like part of Bosa, it's not fair, but you're going to be compared a little bit to that because you could have had that player, right? As much as we're going to compare him to like, oh, Devin White's
2: the MVP, you know, the rookie MVP. Yeah, to a degree, but wasn't there some thought that the Giants were trying to keep him out of the conference, that they'd rather trade him to Cleveland?
3: You would the tell me this? Would the Would the New York Giants have taken Jabril Pepper seventeen and third round or just pick two? Uh,
2: well, they needed Jabril Peppers. Remember, they, remember, they needed a starter safety. So Kwaski, Tart and pick two. That seems a little a lot, though. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I pick pick, pick two's, two's a lot, guy. Because you could just as trade attractive back. as it gets. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, you would think that they would take that. Because one thing we know, right, is let's look, siphon out Jabril Peppers.
3: 17 and that third-round pick don't sniff pick two, right, in a, the numbers. Right. So and then you throw in Peppers, who I think most people think is like an average starter. That doesn't equal pick two. Like the pick pick two, and this was the Niners' argument, is really valuable. And it's true until you pick the player. And then now, yeah, that pick is... Value. Now it's Nick Bosa. So what is... Right. It's no longer this is kind of you, arbitrary well, you value. you could trade
2: the Browns Nick Bosa for Odell Beckham straight up right now. Say that again? You could not trade the Browns Nick Bosa for Odell Beckham. Today. They would
3: hang up on you. <laughs> Where the Niners might. Well, but I guess they wouldn't have because they already knew they were going to take Nick Bosa, right? So they, to me, they basically valued... We like Nick Bosa more than Odell Beckham. Now, part of that is cost control, financial stuff. There's, there's, it's not inevitable. Odell right? being
2: just like kind of a wild card guy, right? That's the other part of that equation.
3: Yeah, but I mean, it's not like Nick Bosa, while a good player, he was injured.
2: I know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying, wild like Odell, that dude. was part of it with Odell.
3: That's true. It's not like you were trading for, you know, the equivalent of like. Hopkins or Julio that's just a no doubt about it normal human that you can play with I
2: don't think so like would you have traded the Texans
3: number two straight up for uh, Hopkins like would the Niners probably entertain that more than Odell
2: probably actually just because they need a normal human I feel like they entertained Odell
3: well they 100% entertained Odell but like those guys weren't available like you couldn't get Hopkins like they're not trading him to you right Right, Antonio was on the block, and they thought, "No, we're not touching him." And even the Raiders—I'll you- give them some credit—like they're like, "We're touching him, but we're not over—we're not giving you a second-round pick for him." So Antonio was kind of unique. Because if Antonio uh, um, was normal, and they were trading him,
2: what would the Steelers have got for Antonio? First-round pick, easily, right? Yeah, if Antonio was normal, the Steelers wouldn't have been trading him. <laughs> no. Uh, to, but your question, you answer, you bring up is interesting. I think if if Nick Bose is a legitimate Pro Bowler, even if Odell Beckham is a top five player the next three years, that's I mean, fine. You could have had Odell, but I just think as long as Nick Bose is a a great play, if it's, it looks like a great pick, like how good so cool. does he need to be? He needs to be a Pro Bowler a second pick. I don't need him to be an all pro in the first three years, but he needs to be a pro, like a real pro bowler, not a fourth alternate pro. To ball. me,
3: he, guy, he's probably got to be a double digit sack guy by year two. And, and, yeah. and this year, it's pretty clear they got something special, right? Like to me, you could have six or seven sacks this year, but when I watch him, I go, that guy's got a chance to be excellent, right? I, I can live with that. I, to me, I don't have a number set. Like he's got to get, he's got to match Bradley Chubb's 12. No. But I know this, the Broncos would tell you, we didn't need to see his sack numbers and know how good he was about by like the end of September, right? Well I yeah, I I, don't want I to be remember this texting guy on the Raiders staff, uh, during the OTAs of Khalil Mack's rookie year, and he now again, the bar was really low because their team was god awful. But he's like, he's the best player on our team. And that his rookie year he had four sacks, but it was clear like this Khalil Mack guy, holy shit.
2: That's what I kinda want yeah, I, guy. To me, like it's it it it's not even so much in it's not so much as a number as are we sitting here next year going well you know if Nick can just put it together like that's the conversation you don't want to be hey it was a nice year but you really need him to step up like that's the conversation I'll, I'll, I'll give you a scenario
3: having. God, I, I can do hypotheticals all day long in training camp
2: Solomon Thomas
3: who clearly physically looks a lot better. I, you know, I think people are bullish on him. He looks a lot better on the practice field. Now, I, I'm going to judge Solomon Thomas zero until preseason games and NFL games because making plays at practice, whatever. Like he's at the point now where he's got to do something. What if he resurrects his career and is good? Then do and then does Bosa not quite have to be? Can Bosa just be solid? Or then in a perfect world, you're like, no. well, I draft this guy too. I want them both to be good.
2: No. Yeah. No. Could Nick,
3: Could they have a jam in Solomon? They- When I say a gem, like just something that everyone's written off, and he actually might not be
2: that terrible, I don't know. Right, but that that's not Pro Bowl, or that's just solid, right? Yeah, like like at this point now, even though he was a second pick, now it feels like Pro Bowl's gravy. Well, that's not where we are with Nick Bosa. No, one hundred percent. Like Solomon Thomas, Pro Bowl's not gravy. In two thousand
3: eighteen, was consistently getting benched in games when they were, you know, three and ten. Like that's right, which means just not getting benched would be success. Now we we've moved the bar. Yeah. Where you agree, like Nick Bosa, not only is an immediate starter, but
2: he's got an impact. We need impact. Yep, absolutely. Uh, another guy they got, you know, we this is another guy that we saw in uh, in OTAs, just standing around, like man, he looks good. What's he gonna be? I saw some of the quotes from Kyle Shanahan Sunday after practice. He did not have an opinion on uh, the fights because he said he didn't, he hadn't really seen them or like how they started. He said fundamentally, I don't like guys throwing practice uh, throwing punches at all, but I do like guys pissing each other off. So, uh, Jalen Hurd was getting into it a little bit, because he's on the field now, which is good. Because part
3: of throwing punches on an NFL field, or you were swinging at a guy with a helmet on, right? <laughs> it's like
2: Yeah, it's just it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah.
3: We a lot of people in the history of this sport have broken their hands connecting with The Riddell or whatever the fuck, NFL, PT, or high school, all levels. you swinging at someone with a helmet on. Right. It's
2: like punching a wall as a pitcher. Who did that back for the ace? Who's on the Giants? Pomeranz? Pomeranz, yeah. Yeah. So, but you like, so I saw you tweet this just about like what this potentially represents for the 49ers, them getting in fights. Jalen Hurd getting in the, mixing it up a little bit.
3: Yeah, well on the first, you and I stood by him. He is enormous. He is a massive human. And I, when they drafted him, I didn't quite realize who it was. And then once I read his backstory, I'm like, oh, that's the running back that used to play at Tennessee right. who was really good. I, I loved him as a running back. I didn't even know, because I'm not as like in deep in the weeds of the scouting circles. He had transferred to Baylor. He had played receiver. I actually vividly remember, not vividly, but I remember when he quit Tennessee and it was kind of weird. I'm like, I really like this player. But then he just quit, and then you read about it, it was like he quit because he didn't want to take the pounding of a running back. But then you see him at practice, you're like, this guy doesn't even look like a running back because he's six foot five. He's huge. My first takeaway, guy, because the tweet that I quoted was like, another bad day for, you know, Hurd, you can't be a third-rounder in fighting. And my, my first takeaway, bullshit. The, the 49ers, to me, they've been defined these last couple years. I'm as bullish on Kyle, and I know you are as anybody. My knock on him as a coach, besides just, I don't know how much impact he can have on defense, is his scheme can be a little soft. Like, at the end of the day, can he line up? Because I know what Andy can do when he when he runs. He'll run a lot of zone stuff, but he's got no problem putting in the fullback, running power right down your throat. Like, Andy can play a little like Harbaugh if he has to. And at, the, at his core, he kind of likes doing that. Kyle, they, they want to run, like, the play-action boot. It's just a softer scheme. Well, their team's a little softer. When, when you like, part of the reason I've always defended Harbaugh, why his defense is so good, well, go to his practice. When you run power in practice, the defense, your your middle linebacker has to take on the fullback in the hole. It's a physical practice. Where Kyle, it's like Joe Staley is not pulling on anyone; he's just position blocking. So you're just not going to be as physical and as crazy. Well, what what did Jalen Hurd do? He started throwing some people to the ground. And one of the things that I read. And talking to some people that were there were like... One of the things that was pissing people off and where the fights came from... Is because he was blocking corners way down the field. And let's call it what it is. Corners don't want to get blocked down the field. And in fairness, like, they're probably not used to it because Pettis and those guys... It's a little bit of a country club atmosphere with Kyle. And I'm not taking a shot. It's just the nature of... You know, just a little softer. I fucking love it. And you can tell with Kyle's quote... Was the reason he doesn't want to fight because he can not they can't afford... Dante Pettis or Jalen Hurd breaking his hand in a fight. That's moronic. But does he really mind Akella Weatherspoon getting slammed to the ground by Jalen Hurd? No freaking way. They, they actually love it. And I love yeah. it. And I didn't even see yeah. it. But I, I i love everything that it stands for, you know, for this team that, like, think about the NFC. The NFC, the, the AFC is the soft division guy or the soft conference where, you know, 10 years ago it used to be the opposite. Over the last 10 years, the NFC has been the physical one. And obviously with Harbaugh and – you just think right now. The Bears, badasses. The Vikings, who are going to be better this year, badasses. Think about the Eagles. You think the Eagles are soft? You think the Cowboys are soft? I, the Rams, you kind of think L.A. or whatever, but they're, they're a pretty physical team. We know Seattle. They would – I mean, they would pay to be in like a 9-6 game at Seattle, right? They, that's what they want. Uh, if the Niners are going to make any hay in this, even even the Saints have become a little tougher these last. I mean, their best their wide star wide receiver is a physical player.
2: Would you say like historically Carolina
3: tough team? Remember them and the Niners used to have some like God, This is a physical game.
2: Recent history, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I I, I think that uh, their best player is a middle linebacker guy.
2: So yeah, right.
3: yeah, they're just and their their head coach is a middle linebacker. They're a tough team. Even Atlanta. Like when they were good that year, they were an offensive team, but their defense their coach a defensive alignment or defensive line coach. They've drafted a bunch of defensive players. They want to be physical. To me, the NFC is defined by a lot of tough teams. The, the Niners—like I—I'll be the first to say, yeah, I think they can make the playoffs. I, I'm probably going to pick them to make the playoffs for whatever that means. But if they are going to have a legit shot, you—you you cannot be a soft like soft. They—they they can't get ten wins and be soft. Just in their division alone, like they'll Seattle will kick their ass, right? The Rams will beat them. Hell, the Kyler Murray will screw around and mess with you. You know, the team like the Ravens will run the ball down your throat. You gotta be tough. So if, if you're gonna have a shot to make the playoffs in the NFC, and again, I gotta look through their schedule, I, but it's, it's irrelevant just because I know their division. I mean, the four games against the Rams and the and the Seattle are gonna be tough. Like you gotta be tough. You gotta be physical. And I think that's what they've lacked now. They'd say, well, look at who we drafted. Debo, tough guy. Bosa, in theory, you know, tough defensive lineman. Jalen Hurd, clearly kind of a badass. Add D. Ford, who's just a defensive, you know, a sack monster. He is, I mean, he should be a double-digit sack guy. So, even he's a softer lineman, but that's, if you get 15 sacks, how do I call you soft? You're not.
2: See, so, um, everything you just said I agree with. I think, ultimately for them... Like this and we were talking about Bosa. What you just said to me matters a lot. Like their defensive line is gonna to have to set the tone for whether or not we're talking about them like they're a physical team. Like Jalen Hurd is not gonna be the guy that sets that tone. Ultimately, him being that guy him being that guy is a big deal though, because he was a player that they drafted in the third round. So him being that guy just brings a little more of it because, like you said, that's not really what they've had from the wide receiver group lately. But I don't think he's going to like no, no, the no, guy no, that sets no. the tone but for to, the team. I know you're not saying that. me, he that. symbolizes where they just need to get to. Uh, totally. Uh, and yeah. they need more
3: guys with an edge. Like, Sherman's still edgy, but we've seen him at practice. He's at the point – he's like an Andre Guadalla now at the point. Like, he can't – he'd not be getting in fights at practice, right?
2: Well, I also think part of his edge in Seattle was – it was not just Richard Sherman; it was the Legion of Boom. Well, did, like, you, he was did you see part- the
3: Ravens tweet yesterday with Earl Thomas fucking ruining some slot receiver? He just depleted him in practice. They tweeted it out.
2: <laughs> he just no, he destroyed I'm going him. I want to find that now. Right now. It,
3: it wasn't like it was just a good, solid, clean tackle. But it was you're right. It was like you're right. It was Sherman. But what about you? See Bobby Wagner just got fifty five million dollars. They yeah. had that guy. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Cam Chancellor he he ended vernon's career but then somehow vernon resurrected it like 3 years later but you're right i mean they just it it wasn't all the pressure wasn't on richard to pick fights they just had guys that would just they had like seven guys that at any moment could just end up in a fight and i think that's at the end of the day like think about this guy when you think of the best teams the last 6 or 7 years in the afc obviously the patriots and the steelers and the Chiefs have been this like second iteration since when they flipped it more from offense these last three or four years with Alex and then obviously with Mahomes. It's a little bit like Warriors, Rockets, running and gunning, throwing up a lot of points. The Patriots, when you think the Patriots, the second half of Brady's career, it is complete kind of polar opposite, right, of the first when they were defense and tough. You don't think like they're smart and they, they tackle well, but like the monsters of the midway or anything, Right. All right, but just think about the NFC. What it's taken these last ten years to get there? Harbaugh, Seattle. Last year, Chicago, Minnesota. Seattle maintained it for a while. The Eagles. I mean, just have some guys that to just crush you. It's just the, uh, Dallas's defense is last year. How, I mean, how good is Dallas's defense on paper? That defensive line, all the linebackers they have. Somehow, Sean Lee. This is where we'll get into Zeke probably a little later, but. If Jerry just likes you, you're just gonna stay on his team forever. Hasn't Sean Lee been injured 50 times and somehow he's still on their team? If as Jerry likes have you, another be- you're, you're made. Yeah, as long as you have
2: another guy ready to roll. But
3: the guy they have two guys. They have Why they don't? have Jalen Smith and Vanderash. And Jerry's like, I just like him around. Yeah, but I don't think Sean Lee like starts. But right? but I'm telling you, and maybe they will. You know what? Howie or Belichick, he would not be on the team anymore. <laughs> he just would be gone. It's not because they don't like him. Look at the uh, the Panthers. They just cut Thomas Davis. You just cut that human, you know? It's just, it sucks. You you still like like him as a person, but he's just usually not on the team. I'm going to look up how much he makes. But my ultimate point is the reason they get rich on Lee is because they basically have the modern day version, I mean potentially, this is jumping the gun a little bit, of like their Bowman and Willis. And that's a team, if you make the playoffs and you're a six seed, you might play Dallas in the first round, right? It'd be 3-6. You go to Dallas. I, I, I wouldn't pick, you know, if the Niners were a 10 win team and they were 11 or 12, like, I wouldn't love that matchup. And they'd just be a tougher team. I mean, I wouldn't love any matchup if they're the 3 6, but I'm just, they, they would want, I'd pick them more in a shootout type game. Like, that's, Dallas wants to get into a tough, a brawl. And that's not, the Niners aren't really built like that. You think Dante Pettis, maybe he'll take some big step this year, but, like, going to go into a war zone?
2: Said he's stronger, John.
3: So I, I I you you don't develop this stuff overnight, but it is about picking the right type I of players. I think it's about
2: getting players that are like that, right? Yeah, that's is that the what key. you're about? Sorry, I interrupted you, but. that's
3: the key. Getting players that are like that. I don't that.
2: think it rubs off like maybe it rubs off a little, but you gotta have it in you.
3: But I think that's where like Richard comes in. Like Richard ain't fighting Jalen Hurd. But Richard maybe calls out his defensive backs like, that shit ain't going to fly. If we're getting blocked down the field, you toss his ass to the ground. That's where, to me, he helps. Yeah. And then maybe you just get – just there needs to be an edge on this team. You know, There's just – there hasn't – there wasn't an edge. It's just even last year, it's kind of feeling themselves like, you guys haven't done a goddamn thing. Like, Jimmy won five games. He started seven games in the league.
2: I remember the Raiders kind of turned that like Jack Del Rio's last year. Like, what are you guys accomplished? Well, that's where I wonder. Like, are they going to be able to run? Are they going to run the ball? Are they going to maul people? Like, are they who? Well, no, like, maul. I <laughs> know they, they, well, that's what I'm not, saying. That's about what I'm the saying. Like, guy,
3: their, their scheme. When you run an outside zone scheme, you don't maul anyone, even when you're kicking their ass. You just kind of position block, and the running back goes right through the middle. Like when Chip Kelly was dominating. Colorado I shouldn't ball.
2: say. Forget maul. Are they just going to be able to run the football? Are well, oh, they gonna the, be able to pick up four yards when they need it? Well, did you on the ground since we last did a podcast?
3: Their big free agent signing two years ago, his knee flared reflared up. So I, do you know where John Middlecoff stands as of recording in this podcast? I expect Jarek McKinnon to be like his his night of career will never exist. Anything they get from him is gravy. I expect nothing. And you know what? And this is the argument for Melvin Gordon and Zeke why you don't pay him. Who cares? Just go claim a guy. You know what the Niners have once the 53 cuts happen? The number two overall claim spot. You know, the, I'd argue the easiest player to claim in the NFL is a zone running back. Now, maybe not a starter, but you get a guy. And then, you know, just the way the NFL works, maybe he starts a couple games throughout the year. You get Telvin Coleman, Breda, and whoever you claim. Jarek McKinnon, Torres ACL, never the same, whatever. You move on.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it was a practice Sunday. It was uh, Mike Shanahan? I mean, he would tell you, right? Do you think him and Greg Babcock go were talk about up? Mike Anderson and and Tatum Bell and
3: Orlandis Gary and Well, the guy I can't think of his name, but their first year in Washington, they had a guy run for like seventeen hundred yards, a six round pick. Oh, it was he's
2: uh, still in the league. Who? He's still, in the, the guy's still in the league? Well,
3: I think he might be out now, but he was like on the Cowboys a year ago when Zeke got suspended. Remember they signed him? Alfred? Is it Alfred? Alfred Morris. Uh, Alfred Morris. Yeah. But that's... You just find that guy because it is... It's not an easy scheme for running backs, but where it is an easy scheme for a guy that has no change of direction, if you're a straight line running back, but have good vision, you can succeed in it. You don't need to have like... Uh, you don't need to be able to make anyone miss. Now, you might not be a great player if you can't make anyone miss, but... You can just function in the scheme, like you know the best. So the point I, I'd argue the best zone runner of the last like ten years was he? I think it was an undrafted free agent. Might have been a seventh. Round, was Aaron Foster seventh round pick? Might have been sixth round pick. But Alfred Morris, the most great zone runners, late round picks, because you would never take like they're not Saquon Barkley. Now Saquon would be like, put me in a zone scheme, I'll kick out. Yeah, you kick ass in any scheme, but like a zone runner is a stiff guy. That was the irony. Remember McFadden hated the zone scheme, like the power scheme? But it's like, Darren, your problem is you just have poor vision. You're not – you're a straight-line running back. You can only run in a straight line, so you should – the zone scheme is your only scheme, buddy.
2: Remember how stiff he was? Yeah. What was the game where you had the guy – he had the safety like one-on-one on the hole and just, just ran – Ran into him. Well, can't, but not he, he wasn't. I don't think he was trying to run him over. Yeah, he,
3: I mean, he's just. He is what he was. He just couldn't. It'd be like a car that has zero turning radius. You just have to try to drive it straight. You have no choice. I think it was
2: his last year at Oakland. Yeah, it was bad. Remember when you walked by uh, and how skinny his ankles were? Yeah. First year in Oakland, first day in Oakland, Antonio. So this was Friday we did the podcast. And then after, like, that afternoon, Antonio Brown's on the non football injury list, John. And then he ends up passing the physical over the weekend and practicing on Sunday Um, and maybe there will be maybe I don't know I'm not expecting any clarity on it but we're a week out like this podcast is out on Monday Hard Knocks will start airing a week from tomorrow Tuesday so a week in a week is when Hard Knocks starts airing which means all this stuff right now is getting filmed so all the stuff going on right now will be on will be on the show or at least some of it will be on the show I don't, you know, I'm, I don't know that we'll get much clarity on that, but. But to me, if he's
3: like fine, it's probably nothing, and it's not that big a deal. But if he right. if he has he to grown, go back, he if he nails. misses some practices in a couple of days, then it becomes a legit red flag. And anyone that follows on social media, I was shocked just because all he's ever doing is working out on social media. Like, when did he get hurt? I was just watching him in like Paris. He takes his trainer with him, and they're running routes. They're throwing him a rugby ball. Like, how does this guy? When did this guy get hurt?
2: Maybe lifting. Yeah. It, maybe catching rugby ball, jammed a finger. I maybe don't know.
3: just overuse. Maybe just a tight quad. Maybe it was just tightness and they just held him out. Yeah. But it's. Could be. To me, it was like, people don't overreact. Well, he's the best player on the team. He's missing practice. It kind of is. It was a story. Now he's back. It's it's over for now as long as it's nothing. But he's. Don't get it. He's the best player on the team, <laughs> he's the most important player on the team beside the quarterback. It's weird. He's the best player on the team, but he's not the most important player on the team. But he kind of is, because they're gonna. Th- it feels like they're gonna throw him the ball all the time.
2: Which, what would you say was the um, highlight of Hard Knocks last year, 2018 Browns? Was it the team meeting with Hugh Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I thought Freddie it was a pretty underwhelming Haley. season. Oh, I agree. I didn't really. But don't you feel like that was the defining when Haley and Kitchens kind of kinda
3: snapped on Hugh?
2: Yeah, and Hugh was like, "Hey, I'm the boss." Yeah. Someone someone um, counted.
3: They were like, there are three former head coaches in here. I'm talking like, when you guys are the head coaches, you'll realize I'm like these guys do realize.
2: <laughs> I just the reason I thought of that was like there's stuff happening this week around Raiders camp that isn't happening at any other camp in football, right? Just because there's a little more attention there, and next starting next week, all that there will just be a spotlight on them that is not on any other team in the league. That's why so many teams and, don't want it because they don't want and that they're extra not, spotlight. Yeah, and they're not a well-oiled machine yet. Like they're still figuring out how we operate, and they're going to be do it, doing it with everybody watching. Like that's not—I don't. I'm not saying they're going to lose a game because of it or five. I'm just saying it's—they're not. This is not ideal. It's great for us. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I mean, I, but it's not ideal. Yeah. T- see, to me, it doesn't—it doesn't have that
3: much of an impact at all. It only has an impact if something weird happens. And I saw someone tweet this. The coach has the final say of what goes on in hard knocks. Like Hugh Jackson watched that that interaction with his coaches and still put it out. Then I'll be I'll be a little floored because I would imagine Gruden spends a little less time. Like he won't give a shit. But I that's probably a Mayock thing that they're going to be pretty tight about what they allow out. Like any weird things football wise. Now again, when people are acting, not acting, but coaching or playing. You can't really... You are what you are, right? When you're just talking... Because they're filming practice. So you're just practicing like you practice. Right. But I, I think it has little impact to the morale. Unless something weird... They allow something weird to go on television. Or, here's the thing... And you and I have dealt with them from a media standpoint. I don't think they always are a great gauge of what matters and what doesn't. Uh, I, From my experience... And I've dealt with several teams now... Uh, in a couple different sports and they by far are I've always thought the most out of touch with what matters and what doesn't so I could see them when they're editing it think things that matter matter and things things that don't matter don't matter that actually matter and getting themselves in a position where they get roasted like to me the number one thing beside like Gruden's coaching which I think will go viral in a good way him just being Gruden do they let something out where they get clowned for a while now, is Mark Davis on camera just talking about something? Like, is is Mark Bedane do something? Who knows? I, I don't know. But that that would be the thing that I think they'd have to be careful about where you just fucking rip them. Like, not just, the Bay hates them, where the entire country's making fun of them. Because we've seen that with hard knocks, right? That the entire football-watching country, especially, like, the casual football fan reads a lot about, like, New England or Pittsburgh, or like the heavy hitters, the Dallas Cowboys. But for the most part, a team like the Raiders, the Bengals, the the Bucks, a lot of teams this time of year get to fly under the radar. Well, they are going to be the ultimate under the microscope because, one, they're on hard knocks, and two, I think Gruden, don't you think, the casual guy that maybe turns it off after after an episode last year, like, you weren't that interested. I really wasn't either. I, I wasn't that locked in last year. I thought it was terrible. Where if I was living in fucking Omaha, Nebraska, I wouldn't be missing John Gruden on camera, right?
2: Yeah, if John Gruden were the coach this year of the Bucks and they were on hard knocks, you'd be more likely to watch hard knocks.
3: We'd be far, We would. We would one million percent talk about it on this podcast, right? Right. Of just some highlights because you go viral over stuff, good and bad, and you just. I mean, Richie Incognito
2: says he wants to be a team leader. I. Well, I that's I, the one, one right? thing I have to come around change up. the narrative. It's like whoa. Richie's I respect, of course you want to change the narrative, but team leader? Guy, R- Richie's getting, like,
3: he's going to be talked about on this thing, 100%.
2: Well, if you have the ability to edit, that's, I might use my first edits on that one. Yeah, I just... If I have my coach's edit.
3: But it's like, to me, they have like two or three storylines that you have to talk about. Antonio Brown, why is he here? One of it's going to be like, what happened? And the, and the one thing you'd say is Antonio's liable to say fucking something, right? Would you be a little surprised if within this season of Hard Knocks he doesn't talk some shit about Ben? Uh, yeah, just or the, or the Steelers, but more than likely Ben.
2: Yeah, but that, but no, I mean, I I would be surprised. Now he's if already that doesn't done happen
3: that, anymore. so who cares?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like. I think if he's talking shit about the Steelers, I don't think that matters. Versus, see, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be. Like to me, anything that happens with him is gonna—it's gonna come after some games have been played if he's not getting the ball. Well, no, no, Sideline heat of the moment. I'm,
3: my, my point is not that like he's gonna make or break anything right now. He's the most liable to say something. Like if he says something, it's getting aggregated by everyone that matters in the NFL because yeah. he is—he's the Raiders' biggest star and he's one of the league's biggest stars. When he says shit, people talk about it. That's just—that's just the just reality.
2: Well, he could say something that, like, on the crazy scale is a four. That would get more attention than somebody else on the team saying something that on the crazy scale is well, a guy, Well, I think they right? got two
3: guys that fall into that category. I think it's him and Richie. And I, I just think the cameras are going to gravitate to those guys because they understand that that – like, Gruden's going to say some shit, but he's John Gruden. He's gonna, he always says some shit, right? To me, it's going to be those two guys, if they say something, it's like, what did he say? Because, like, if some undrafted free agent – Jesus Christ, Will Smith. Uh, says something It's not that big a deal. But I, at the end of the day, and we didn't talk about this last week, or maybe we did. Huh. I, I'll tell you. I, I think this Hard Knocks is going to absolutely excel because of Gruden. And I, I think watching Last Chance You, football shows, and you just think about football movies. Think about uh, Remember the Titans or the... Any given Sunday, the like the football coach. Think about the NBA culture. I mean, a couple like there's a fill and a pop, but for the most part, it's a player. I mean, obviously it's a player league, but their their players are the stars. If you if you followed the Warriors around, Steve Kerr is a secondary. Steph Clay, Draymond, Kevin, whatever. With with a football team, Parcells, Belichick, Tomlin, Gruden think about the best hard knocks guy when I when I just close my eyes and think about him two jump out. Recently is the Texans, just because Bill O'Brien was just entertaining. And probably the most famous one ever was Rex Ryan. Like, you, you, your, your product is as strong Let's as... Let's go get a
2: goddamn snack.
3: Your product is as strong as your coach, and I, I think that they are licking their lips probably right now, right?
2: Yeah. I, I think Gruden will come off looking pretty good, right? How will he not? Because re- well, he, he's done camera work a lot, and he always comes off. Oh, of and I dude. think most people that
3: like at NFL Films would say some of the best NFL Films footage we have is him at practice.
2: Well, the speech you told me to go look up today that the Raiders tweeted, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, it's like an early teaser from Hard Knocks. It was great. Well, I, I remember last year when they were
3: struggling, texting people in the building, they'd be like, well, I'm telling you, when he addresses the team, it's just, you're ready to roll. Like He's good with that stuff. That's where he... He is... He's a little more Jim Harbaugh, I think, than he closer it is to like Kyle Shanahan and McVay at this point. He's a little more rah rah tough guy than he is some crazy schemer. uh, Given the information we have right now, would would that be a fair assessment of John Gruden?
2: I think it is. It's not in line with what his rep was. Well, I think a
3: lot of people would say his rep is, but is you know, a little fraudulent when you look at the resume.
2: Yeah, and I think now he's in a different – he's probably viewed differently by players than he was. You know, like the players that are on his team now, right, grew up with John Gruden just being like one of the faces of football. On television. On TV. Not that Jim was that, but Jim was kind of just a personality, right, more so than he was. Now, I mean, I will say he – part of – he had a reputation of quarterback guru – and tough guy. I think that I, was I think a lot of people Riff. will tell you the Jim, quarterback guru like
3: Gruden is not warranted yes. either. Correct. I, I, you know, I think there are more parallels. You. Now, Jim is consistently one because if Jim was sitting here and I think he likes John, remember John hired him, I think they're friends, but he would if you were just, if you had a Jim arguer and a John arguer, like if this was the Hall of Fame you know, uh, round table and you were just talking about like comparing guys, one guy's resume, he's won everywhere he's gotten. Gruden now has a long period of time since he hasn't really won.
2: Yeah, I would like to see Costas and Verducci have this argument. Each one of them gets Harbaugh, one of them gets Gruden. And like Mad Dog picks, breaks the tie. I
3: think the one thing every person, if you had to pick an NFL GM, I don't think they'd want to hire either. But if they had to, they would take Harbaugh over Gruden at this point, right? Uh... Gruden wants to take their job. Harbaugh doesn't yeah, necessarily. Yeah,
2: I mean, okay, I see what you're saying. If you're the GM, yeah. If you're the owner, like let's go back a year. Last year at this time, who would more people hire? Uh, I mean, not the not the GM who's worried. If you're I mean, not Harbaugh, worried about your job, Harbaugh. just like whose stock would whose stock was higher? Harbaugh.
3: Harbaugh stock's still pretty high. Probably. Because he had been doing it. there, there
2: was oh, higher in like, NFL. Well, there was a great
3: unknown with John, right? There was, for all the hype, and, his, and there's no disputing, his hype grew as he, the longer he was away. It was crazy. So his hype was high. I, I think most of us thought, like, this guy, come back and kick ass. And then everyone would say, like, can we look into what he was doing at Tampa Bay? What We're acting like he's Belichick.
2: Let's look at his draft record. And and, I yeah, I think
3: a lot of coaches were, one, he's an egomaniac. He's going to want all the power. People are like, oh, he's grown. Well, what did he come back and do? Reggie, get the fuck out of the way. I'm in charge. Because you could argue his biggest downfall right now, the last eight years of his coaching in Tampa and then his one year in, in Oakland, is he cares too much about being his own GM, right? Now we'll see how this Mayock, That's That, you could say, is going to be one of the more fascinating things, is just see you know how they're interacting. Now, the counter would be... Remember a couple years ago, everyone told me uh, Bill hates Rick Smith, Bill O'Brien, and there were scenes where they'd be like talking in Bill O'Brien's office. He'd have remember he had like the driver or the putter, and he'd be kind of like sitting by his couch, and they'd be talking players, and everyone in the league would be like, "Bill's faking it to all sorts of levels right now. This is fake." So, I don't think it'll be that fake because at the end of the day, we've always said they're pretty well aligned, like. Mayock is not your typical media guy that went to the NFL to me he's more like an NFL guy that happened to just start his career in the media he probably should have started in the NFL Right? Like, he would have more than likely after he was done playing just became a scout would have become a GM a lot earlier never would have ended up on TV no he just would have been a GM or a football guy and that's why he always talked and I think he always resonated but I also think he resonated because he could also just Talk about players. His most powerful attribute, as a if I was being a media critic, was he had a good balance. And John kind of too of being able to talk football, but not being over the top with the exes nose. They could just talk football. Like you, you and I think the diehard X's and nose guys kind of claimed that like Gruden was a fraud. Like he was just talking in like uh, generic stuff. Yeah, that's what the people want. No, no one understands. Ninety percent of football fans. Don't know what cover two is if you paid them a million dollars. People that have been NFL fans for 40 years, right? It's not – you can't – people don't talk like that.
2: Twitter does. Three technique. Yeah, three
3: – exactly. I, mean, I remember getting to the NFL thinking like basic stuff. I was like, God, this is really complicated. That's where I always kind of defend Favre a little bit because I don't think people quite understand once you get to the NFL how just normal terms get thrown around and you're just, oh, yeah, yeah, the nickel. Whatever. I remember first getting to the NFL, and again, I had worked at Division One football, and I was just I faked it a little bit at first, like just oh yeah, yeah, this guy, yeah, you know. <laughs> it was more with X's and O's, like deep scheme stuff, the the nickel yeah. corner or whatever. That's pretty basic. Well,
2: you know what I would say if I was Favre is like, look, guys, everything anybody's ever trying to do, you're trying to take complicated things and make them simple. I just happen to see everything simply, so don't get in my way with your complications because it takes a lot of effort for you to make it simple. It's already simple to me. Leave me alone. To
3: me, it's just when you get around coaches too much, they start talking. You know, when you when you buzz the corner and cover three and stuff like that, you just have to go with. Like if if you know a little Spanish, you're talking to someone. You just you just kind of shake your head. Yeah, that's what I was king yeah.
2: of. See, see, yeah, see. Because even when you think you know see. and you start see, talking possible. about see,
3: see. buzzing linebackers when it's when it's quarter quarter half and you're like, what the fuck are these idiots talking about? <laughs> that's what I also do in the back of my head, like. Maybe
2: I'm not meant for this for
3: the next 35 years
2: of my life. I don't feel like going home and learning what they're talking about. Is that what you but mean? But you can even try. It's guys so goddamn complicated. It's it's just hard. Yeah, you
3: can learn. Even when you learn, you're like, is that really? Because again, being off three or four yards changes it. What it's that's why that's why what Belichick his mastery of all this stuff is so crazy. It's why when you hear McVay or Kyle talk about. And I, that's why I'm also back to Gruden. I think he can kind of earn some credit back. Of, like, this guy knows his shit. Instead of just the generic stuff where he's just kind of X's nose and, and scheming and talking buzzes you and think, rovers and and motions and all that BS.
2: Yeah. You think Spider 2 Y Banana impressed yeah, people Yeah, I mean, the I Yeah,
3: I think they're going to be fun. Uh, that is 1,000% coming up and he's going to make fun of it. But I think there's going to be some geeky him, Olsen, and Derek, right, like drawing on the board.
2: Doing the fifth, yeah, the safety, the safety fists?
3: high and low, and a dude in the bubble and a guy in the box. You know. Okay. Yeah. 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 I hear it. You're saying if he. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Don't you think like if you're the hard knocks, you're gonna want a little about this guy who never sleeps. Like, I, I want to document some of Gruden. Like, I you're gonna get some insight well, on Gruden this year, this tr- you know, with hard knocks. that We might never have had.
2: I think what what people will really be looking for there is, is he talking about modern, cutting-edge NFL schemes, or is he talking about the way it used to be, right? And I think the fact is that what really helps him is Monday Night Football, he was in it every day. Like, he's – modern NFL is what he's been calling since he left the NFL.
3: Again, I mean, Andy's biased, and – I'm trying to think of other people that were around him, but they just texting people around the league when he first got hired that had spent a lot of time with him and knowing people at Alabama where he used to come and study. He was not behind the times in their eyes when he would meet with them and talk with them and come, you know, clinic with them. He he'd clinic. They would be clinicking, and he would show up to keep up. That was what he hung his hat on. They're like this guy's not faking it. And I remember Lewis when they started working for the draft he went down there he's like yeah you, you gotta check in by like 5.30 in the morning he's already there watching the modern day stuff and I think that's what where he hurt himself last year guy where that we stopped judging him as a football coach was how crazy his personnel moves were and I think at the end of the day he might be the worst general manager in the league but he's nowhere near the worst coach like he can coach he, he can talk with players, he can coach offense, he can coach. I, I believe that even based off how shitty last year was. He can coach. But I, but I one thing I believe to my heart of hearts and to my core, he's a god-awful general manager. A god-awful general manager. We have enough evidence that I think he has like no clue what he's doing. And part of that might just be impatience. It's hard to be a GM and not be able to wait a couple years. Like not everything happens overnight, and that's always the knock. Why he wanted older players, because he he doesn't have time to wait and develop. Well, the hard part about this thing going now is like, can you give Cleveland Farrell three years, or are you gonna hate him by two years if he's not good enough? Are you gonna cut Arden Keys of the world and PJ Hall if they suck again this year? Or Are you gonna wait it out? GM see the big picture, and I you know it's we'll see. Mayock is in a tough position. I I really believe that. In a very very tough position, anyone I think in the NFL would tell you that it's not an easy job. It's just no. not. It's like the uh, opposite you know, of being like a being a coach for one of the analytic guys. It's not an easy job, right?
2: In baseball or basketball, like,
3: coaching for Daryl Morey is hard. Being the general manager for
2: John is tough. What about being the quarterback for John? Uh, big year for Derek Carr. Obviously, we talk about it a lot. How does he get better? What does he do differently, if anything? What does he do differently, if anything? I know he's been talking, and you were telling me a little bit of some of what he said Derek was talking about. Getting out and moving, running a little more. Scrambling, using using those legs. Which I don't know. Like, it's interesting, right? Because he's had a couple injuries. So, I don't know if that'd be the first thing that you'd think of. But his of. injuries both came we, within the pocket. Right. But I'm just saying, like, a hurt should a hurt guy be exposing himself potentially, or... Is a hurt guy running actually helping himself? He did he didn't hurt his
3: thumb the one time trying to f- stiff-arm Pac-Man.
2: That's right. But that's different, I yeah, think.
3: To me, and even he said, like, that was moronic. Yeah, that yeah, was a little I, I, poor man's version of Jimmy. Like, trying to be a tough guy.
2: When you're running, you could be running into trouble, but you also could be running away from trouble. And really, the most fundamental thing they need from him is to make plays. Yeah, playmakers make plays. Playmakers got to
3: make plays. Got to put your playmakers. And in And I history. think the biggest knock on him the last two years, since the big year, was the playmaking just disappeared. And it's obviously their offensive personnel has been hit or miss. But you just wa- you could just watch a game for Derek in 2018, and he'd be like, "What did I just watch? That was awful. Why is he terrible right now?" And there's just no juice there. And I would imagine John Gruden sat back a little bit because I, I believe this. This edict and kind of memo is coming from Gruden. You're too athletic. I, I used to play pickup hoops with with Derek back at Fresno State. Like he's not he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's not Phillip Rivers. I mean, I think he ran like a four seven five, and he's just he's athletic enough to move around, and he's got the arm strength to throw on the run. Like if nothing's there in your first couple reads, move, keep plays alive, Russell Wilson. Because part of maximizing Derek, like a maximizing Jimmy. Or maximizing Trubisky, who all of those guys, now Jimmy's the most accurate of that group. Derek's accomplished the most. Trubisky's kind of like has the most room for growth. They all kind of fit in the same mold. They're about 6'2. They're all good athletes. That I, I don't want you to be Eli Manning or, you know, Phillip Rivers or Joe Flacco. One thing you have that they don't, you don't have the four inches they have within the pocket. You also can fucking move. Trubisky was on the other end where he just like become a running back at times, which he kind of had to be. Jimmy was probably on the perfect edge when they were kicking ass a couple years ago. That five game winning streak and just making sweet plays outside the pocket. And Derek had felt like it kind of constricted himself from only playing as like Joe Flacco. It's like what well, I don't want you to play like Joe Flacco. You you can move now. At the end of the day, consistently you got to make plays within the pocket. But what, couldn't you see Derek kind of running around and throwing a deep bomb to like Tyrell Williams or Antonio Brown and just doing shit like that?
2: Wouldn't you want him to do that? I think they're you know the r- I think they're onto something. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking back like his first rushing touchdown of his career came last. See, but year. I'm
3: not talking about
0: rushing but, touchdowns. No, no, no I, like I know
2: you're not. I know you're not. I'm just saying like I do think he's athletic enough that he can be a threat in that way. Uh, because as long as he's behind the line of scrimmage, like you said, I don't want I'm not gonna say he's a dual threat, but he can still make throws that are unconventional. Right? I mean the guy wears four because his favorite player was Brett Favre. Um so just kind of that ad lib ability. Like I always thought he had it. Right? That kind of ability to just do something differently than what the play's supposed to be. And maybe the injuries just make it harder to play without thinking I'm probably overanalyzing it a little bit that might be a little unfair to him um
3: how many rushing
0: touchdowns
2: but, in the last
3: one two three four four years do you think Russell Wilson has hasn't missed a game
2: um I don't know four five yeah. he's got he's got five I wonder how many of those are on sneaks is there any probably none well like, how many does Brady have on just sneaks? Yeah, I mean, I Probably bet he's. Ton. He's disproportionate, right? Because I saw somebody tweet the other day that Breeze and Brady, go like they do quarterback sneak a ton more than most of the league, the Patriots and the Saints. are not both in of them the king yardage.
3: of that ball over? The ball Definitely over Breeze there. Did.
2: But just the point is, like, there's a market inefficiency in the quarterback sneak.
3: Well, because you're terrified that they're going to beat you with their arm. I'd also say those guys are pretty unique. Like, they know how to do it perfectly without getting injured. Sometimes there's just a lot of shit going on in there that I'm afraid the guy's not gonna be able to get up. But I, I think my overall point on Derek just scrambling—I'm not looking for because when you just say scrambling, the average fan like I need to run more. I, I to me when I read that, it's more become Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers behind the line of scrimmage. Now, if no one's there, Aaron's king of this, right? When he's when he's humming, do the scramble behind the line of scrimmage. Whoever again, I'll I'll give you a little uh, the uh, the cover two zone dropper, the curl flat defender, the dude that's mm. sitting in the curl flat area, who as you scramble is usually supposed to cover that area for like a wheel route or a curl route. If he freaks and backs up, Aaron's always king of like I'll run for seven yards, kind of talk a little shit and then jump out of bounds where you can't touch me. Like that's his go to <laughs> move. Then I think they would love some of that because how often do the Raiders go three and out? where it's like first and ten, second and ten, third and ten. They don't even gain a yard. That, that to me, kind of defines Derek when the offense is running bad. They're three and outs. They gain, like, two yards on average. Doesn't it feel like that? Like, are these guys gaining yards? What is going
2: on here? And it always feels like they snap the ball, like, 28 seconds on the play clock. Like, the whole possession took 45 it's seconds. It's just a disaster.
3: Right? So, I, you can't tell me quarterback school guy – die hard just watch this film 365 I mean you you hear from people around the Raiders people and yes I still know some people in there they don't all hate me the Gruden the Gruden's not like vacationing like it, they'll be like yeah you go into the office to pick something up in like mid-July he'll just be in there so I would imagine he's breaking down all the quarterbacks like we gotta we, we don't have a stiff we can do some of this other shit that's working in a league also you're not allowed to touch the quarterback and I, I think that Derek should play more like Jimmy in terms of the movement stuff. Now, both of them, when you're out, we don't need heroes. When defensive players are running at you, slide, jump out of bounds. Like Rogers is really good at that, right? He slides and dives and he avoids it. Now he's still gotten hit and he's taken some like late shots, but you get flagged for that. Just hope you don't break a collarbone. Yeah, you just don't hope you don't break collarbone. But that's, at the end of the day, when some of the guys of the size and speed are running at you, maybe it's just simple physics, right? Is, is there a chance, like Aaron Rodgers, a couple collarbones, and Romo's that he's broken? It's just, you know, when Julius Peppers slams you to the ground, more often than not, that human's going to break his collarbone. Wow. Now, if you think about it, Romo, Rodgers, Jimmy, Derek, this, this I'm going to counter my own. I, I like that size guy, the athlete. They get hurt a little more. The 6'2 guy than the 6'5 guy. They just fall a little differently. Maybe it's because the guy tackling them flushes them a little easier. Just a longer tree, you fall a little differently. I don't know.
2: Unless you're Russell. Am I on to something? Unless you're Russell. You're saying...
3: Yeah, I mean... There's a Hail Mary theory. It's not even a theory. I'm just thinking on the fly. Well... Russell, I'm looking at his game log guy. He's played 112 games. He's missed zero he's never missed a game in his career
2: yeah we talk about him all the time right how many big shots have you taken I I think part of it is I don't know man I feel like guys that are I mean Vic got hurt right Mike Vic got hurt and he was a fluid athlete but he he was tiny he took a lot he he took a lot of shots
3: and he didn't slide
2: yeah Um, does Derek slide does Jimmy slide
3: yeah Derek slides he started sliding after his injuries does Jimmy slide
2: yeah Derek slides I don't know. How many games have you seen Jimmy play?
3: I don't know. Does cam slide. Uh,
2: it's a good question. Cam dives. Well,
3: you know who was a diver it was Vic. And when you dive, what are they allowed to do? They're allowed to hit you still, because you're not technically down. That's where you slide. They, the moment they touch you, it's, at minimums getting flagged. I and mean, you just hope you don't get injured. But yeah, because what? What's the what's the wording? It's like uh. Make yourself unavailable, or what's it considered? What, you def- no, when you slide, you make you kind of throw up the white flag or whatever. Like the, the defender just has to leave you alone. Yeah, the second you start sliding, you're down. You're down. Yeah, like you can't advance the ball anymore. Right, the ball's down on where you start sliding when you begin your slide. Yeah,
2: yeah. I
3: thought there was. But I thought there was like. I thought there was like a term for it.
2: Ryan Leaf is always – yeah, you're right, there is. Ryan Leaf has always told me, like, he thinks sliding is – he's just like, you're just so exposed. You're just trusting that the guy – like, so what if you get a well, that, that's what penalty, I'm saying when I knocks you out? When I
3: close my eyes, I, do you remember a Thursday night a couple years ago? It might have been last year when Kiko Alonso hit Flacco on a slide? Yeah, yep. So it's – you're basically just saying, you know what Kiko's going to do? The right thing, <laughs> you know? He's just going to – he's going to pull up and just tap me on the shoulder. Now, sometimes they don't. And you could argue that deep down in Kiko, he's just not even thinking. He's just we're playing football. I'm running full speed at the guy. I, I just my, maybe his brain doesn't quite work fast enough to know. That you just was he really trying to end Flacco's career, or it's just happening at such warp speed? Because I, I, I think Leafs kind of onto something. Because I think of some moments when Rodgers has gotten mollywopped. You definitely see some guys just get to. Uh, Matt Ryan got killed last year on one take some balls guy I mean you're going to slide because you're, you're assuming that that guy who typically does not do the right thing when he's coached to hit you is going to pull up right and, and if you're a quarterback if you're a starting quarterback and you play 16 games when you imagine you probably slide 30 plus times a year maybe more you're dropping back 45 times. I mean, you're just a couple times. You're just gonna move and just slide. Right. Even if it's sliding behind the line, you just slide. I mean, Peyton used to just flop. Remember, Eli too. I would. I would add the flop to my where I just hit the ground.
2: Brady does it. You just better hope you didn't. There were, you didn't see a ghost and there was somebody behind you when you went down. Yeah,
3: then you'll get destroyed on social media. But <laughs> wouldn't you rather get destroyed for social media for like 15 minutes? And be safe than break your jaw. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when Thomas Davis or whatever breaks your jaw when you slide and you're out for a month, what really happens to him?
2: At worst he gets a game? Like it's Yeah, that's that's really the time when you see the guy coming right up the gut. Actually Derek Derek's done that one, right? You see the guy coming right up the gut, you just kinda I got nowhere to go. I'm just going. I'm just Oh I will go underneath him and just start see, going. See Derek's down. at
3: the point where occasionally he does it where there are ghosts and he's he, people are already out to get him to think that he doesn't want to stick in there and take it, that he kind of gets crushed. Yeah. I know. But I would say...
2: But that's where I give Eli. Like, Eli, to me, doesn't appear like he hears any of the stuff that anybody says about him on social media. Or but I would him.
3: also say Eli's toughness has been proved at the highest level where no one could ever say shit to him. Yeah. He does have just like, hey guys, hey YouTube, 2011 49ers, and then uh, get back to me in 10. Right. I'll be here in my mansion because I've made 150 million. Oh, and which I'm one gonna, of my I'm rings have, do you want me to? Yeah, should I my, put a ring in each? Yeah, year?
2: my wife's shining one. I'm
3: gonna go shine the other. <laughs> Holler at me.
2: Uh, speaking of ghosts, John, the uh, the NFL couldn't build the uh, the field for the Bengals that they wanted to build because uh, there's some. Uh, it was an it was an ancient Native American burial ground. You explain the story to me. We're gonna go through some NFL headline stories here. And AJ Green is now out what six to eight weeks. Because of the uh, the field at the University of Dayton, they were playing the play-in game for the NCAA tournament there, and AJ Green got hurt.
3: Torn ligaments, guy. Torn ligaments. Now that's bad, man. I, I I fall on two sides. One, I'm a capitalist. I'm always pro construction. I'm always pro building because the people that usually don't let us build. Now in California, it's more like I know. Remember, we had this growing up in Davis. They wanted to build an art museum. It was on this. It was on the ground of the burrowing owl. That's the owl that lives in the dirt, oh. and they were not allowed to do it. Now, they ended up having to pay – they did it because they paid like two hundred grand to just take the owls out and then put them somewhere else. <laughs> but so us in California relate to that. I always think it's pretty stupid, uh, especially when the NFL was just going to finance this thing that was then going to be given to the community, right? It's not like the Bengals were going to use it once the season starts. Like it's just for Daytona or, or Dayton, Ohio – but I think where they fucked up, and this is... I blame a little bit of the Indians, and I blame a lot of the uh, of the business side because the players did not want to be there. The coaches did not want to be there. This was a business-driven decision, and it cost one of the best players in the game fucked up ankles. And I think Albert Breer wrote, coaches knew right away the fields were all messed up and people were uneasy, but you, I'm sure they had busts, you know... 30, I don't know I have my Ohio State map in front of me but we've done it in Philly before you bust somewhere to practice or you know Fresno State same thing you're just kind of there you know coaches once you're there even if they're pissed off they don't want to cancel the practice so you just kind of keep your fingers crossed make it through but you lose this guy it's pretty devastating blow.
2: Yeah look I don't blame the uh, Native Americans for the uh, for for, for uh, uh, raising a protest obviously it worked. The NFL, even as uh, we talk about what really matters on Twitter, I don't know if you want to fight that battle, right? Took out a Native American ancient ba- burial ground, not worth your trouble probably. For this, well, clearly, because they backed out. But right, which yeah, they backed out before it even became a controversy. As far as I mean, but you can't you like wh- why do you put your assets in jeopardy like this for who for what? Well, this, this, is business, this is where the business. This is where. At the core of a
3: lot of Belichick's arguments and why you've seen him before, one, he hates Roger. But two, just like when they're at those owners meetings, walking down the hall in a pair of shorts and with his binder. Because he thinks all this bullshit is so – he just thinks they're raging hypocrites, right? The number one thing like, the player safety, we care about getting it right. And then he'll be like, okay, add the pylon camps. And they're like, well, it costs a million dollars – He's like, well, we're all making three hundred million a year, every team, you know. So it's just like, what are we doing here? What for? Who for? What? And it cost them their best player. Now the counter would be: check out AJ's injury history. He gets hurt a lot.
2: Who's more of a reason not to put to him on that hurt? field? Maybe, but if I'm the Bengals, I'd go more of a reason not to put him on the field on this field. You know, I told you the story I heard Herm Edwards tell a story the other day about when he was the coach of the Jets, going to play the Eagles. And he obviously played at Veteran Stadium, and he and Andy Reader at midfield, and they see the seams aren't quite right, and they're like, you want to cancel this preseason game? Yeah, I do. Not worth it. Get back on the bus and go back home. I mean, remember, like, it was a big thing, but Harbaugh wouldn't let the team practice at Levi Stadium the first day with the season ticket holders there <laughs> because they didn't trust the grass. Well, and,
3: and in fairness, they were on to something, right? The grass was a debacle. They
2: were. So, like, I, I just – it's July. Like sorry, I'm we'll sign some autographs, take some photos and we'll figure it out, play but catch or something. If, if we have any doubt about this field, we're not doing it.
3: Yeah, it's it's a it's a yikes moment. I mean, it's it's just a bad moment. There's no way around it. It's just it's bad. For the especially the way it plays out. Like once you're dead set on this, you're going to build it, which you know, when you think about it, like they're trying to do all this cool shit for this 100. Like all these people wearing the shirts, it's a big deal for the league. Like they're going all yeah. in on the marketing campaign. Well, yeah. once that fails, just, I don't know, let the fans come to where the Bengals practice. Like it's just, it's, 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 we're trying too hard for for something that's not.
2: Where's the payoff
3: on that well, one? Well, it's AJ Green's torn yeah. ligaments. <laughs> that's your payoff. And you know what sucks for him? is He's going to be a free agent. So. Like, is his whole year already kind of lost? Like, doesn't he have written, like, he comes back, but he's not the same, and then people blame it on the injury, and then maybe he's just never the same, but maybe some team takes a flyer on him next. You know, it's just it's going to be hard to tell.
2: Yeah, and, you know, like, six to eight weeks, just because you can come back, doesn't mean you're – If he comes back and looks decent and the Bengals are tanking, would you trade a third-round pick for him if you're the Niners,
3: knowing he's going to be a free agent? Then you can just franchise him keep
2: him? Ugh, do I want to fr- franchise, like, 31- or 32-year-old A.J. Green? Not really fourth yeah fourth you would do a fourth for AJ Green uh, yeah if you're telling me he's what we're how many we're
3: well here's the problem guy I'm already being an idiot the precedent's kind of set the Eagles last year traded a third round pick for Golden Tate so it's just the cost of doing business that's true now Golden Tate had been healthier but it's just again they that's... Get, he was going to be a free agent he
2: was and he left the... well, let's get to Golden Tate <laughs> Actually, speaking of people that are missing time, the old estrogen drug positive test. He'll be appealing, John, so we'll get the results of that real soon here. When's the last time anyone won an appeal on a drug test?
3: It doesn't seem like it happens ever. They've won some appeals on suspensions. They got four to two or whatever. But to me, the appeal on the drug test... You well, know-
2: isn't it usually by the time the drug test is public, there's already been an appeal? Typically there am is, I, but I for wrong? some
3: reason in this situation it wasn't. Like you see Taylor this, Luan? Yeah. He's already out. Like they the appeal already happened and then he put out the video crying. Gotcha. Which one did you pass April? Which one reading Golden Tape or watching Taylor Lewan cry, did you feel sympathy for either?
2: Uh well, I'll tell you, reading the statement, I just I don't quite understand how You start taking the drug, and then after starting the treatment prescribed, realize days later that there was an an element of that drug that violated NFL rules, then you stop taking it. What's interesting is he does say, and this is because this is what I told you is like if I was taking something, if I'm Golden Tate, and then I realize a couple days in there's something banned in this, I think the first move would be to call the NFL and tell them. He says, I reported the situation to the independent administrator of the NFL policy on performance-enhancing substances all before I actually – well, hold on now. He says, I did this all well before a failed test was confirmed. So I don't know – like to me, that you do it before you even took the test? That would be impressive. If you did it after you did the P test, you're like, oh, guys, i got to tell you about something. If you told them before they even tested you, I'd be impressed. But if you told them after you got tested but before they said it was positive, I'm not impressed.
3: Yeah, to me, these guys, he's been the lead guy since 2010. Before he started taking something, how many times do you think he's heard in team meetings, with trainers, with the doctors, from the coaches, from the GMs, from his agent? Well, John, going back to, Notre, going back to college. Yeah, for, everything they put in their body, they run through. If he would have had this crazy spike like a year ago, I'd be like, you know what? This guy might just be a user. You know, because his number one defining attribute is he's the best player after the catch in the NFL. Breaks. Remember when Howie traded for him? Analytically, he broke more tackles and contested catches. Like the way that they can quantify it, he was the best in PFF. But he, once he went, because remember in Seattle? Was he a late first round pick or an early second round pick? He never really lived up to the hype. The only thing he lived up to was taking down Russell's wife. But once he went to Detroit in 14, 99, 90, 91, 92, and then last year somewhat of a down year, 74. Like, he's been a pretty dominant player these last five years. That's why I think when Howie traded the third-round pick for him, they're like, we're getting – he had four straight years over 90 catches and physical, you know, breaking tackles. So I I don't, like, just go, yeah, guy's a user – but his story doesn't add up because whenever you go to the fertility drug, it's the go-to because when all these guys get popped, they get popped for fertility drugs because it masks the it's the masking agent. It's they basically give you the female drug that covers up the the, the testosterone spike. Remember Robert Mathis a couple years ago got caught for it, and then they all claim that. I, I have a hard time with. I think it would be more believable guy if it was like a 23 year old or 24 year old like if Debo Samuel got popped like maybe he just doesn't know like it's just a lot going on but Robert Mathis 12 year pro Golden Tate 10 year pro it's like eh well
2: are, but, but are the 22 year old guys are they going to the uh... even trying to have maybe a baby they with
3: their wife yeah but my, my I, again you're right that's why it never really happens because it's a little less believable like fertility issues at 23, 24 like the fertility issues with Golden Tate and Mathis or whoever if they're 34, 35 it's very believable like their story I get why you always you don't tell your parents your dog at your homework. you say listen I left my backpack in Jimmy's car Jimmy's mom drove to work like you give them a believable story that's why this is always a believable deal the problem is Golden it's not a believable situation for yourself to find you in because like you said, I realized three days after, three days after, you've been in league. This is this is how you've fucking fed your family. Like, this is your livelihood. And you get tested all the time. Like, you know better. That's why I just don't believe it. Same thing like with Lane Johnson. Remember, he fought it. I don't know if his was fertility. But this is Taylor Luwan, who was not fertility. But, Taylor, you've been in a league now, years. I, I, I'm sorry. i sorry.
2: I. But he said he didn't know that he took it.
3: Oh, that was his. And that
2: the polygraph and the results of the polygraph test will exonerate. We'll say he's telling the truth. He's going to take a – he took a polygraph. And I, I don't think the NFL, to me, NFL his, accepts polygraphs. I, I, I agree. Right? I, I'm
3: trying to think. I've watched it like three or four days ago. He started crying. His deal was like, I had no clue what I was taking. Where Golden Tate is admitting I'm taking – Yeah, his
2: deal was not I was taking a substance and then there was something in it. He's saying like, I don't even know how this got in my body. Right. So he's playing dumb. He's, he's not saying, I went to GNC, took some stuff, and then it turned out it was banned. Well, Golden Payton is tested.
3: saying that, but it was a doctor prescribed.
2: Yes. And I don't know, as we are recording this, I don't know if the B sample... Because the B sample, maybe it already did come back. Because they do the A, then they do the B. Would Ryan and, uh, Braun, you know, what did
3: Ryan Braun try to do? Try to ruin that guy's life? The guy that picks up the samples?
2: Yeah, what was the deal? They tried to like get it from his fridge or... Say that guy. No, no he, that yeah, guy he claimed took, no, that, the guy that guy puts in his took, fridge for the night and then takes the work the next day. Yeah, that guy took it home, and you're not supposed to take it home, was what he said.
3: And he tried to end that guy's career, and then remember, Aaron Rodgers came to bat for him. That's
2: right, because they had a restaurant together.
3: Yeah, and Rodgers like, no, this is not possible. And then even he had to back off. That's why now, like, no one really jumps in. You can't, you can't really go to war. Like, I've known Golden Tate for 15 years. The character is impeccable. What he stands for. You notice, like, even their best, he's kind of got to stay off. Like, it is what it is. It's just not really believable. Also, guy, did you you see the Giants wide receiver depth chart? They traded for Corey Coleman, or maybe they signed him. He tore his ACL. Uh, Sterling Shepard, the guy they drafted in the second round a couple years ago, broke his thumb. And Golden Tate now is suspended. They're in shambles. Because I saw Lewis tweet, like, Get ready for Saquon Barkley to break the touch record this year. Like, it, would it be crazy for Saquon just to hold out of camp right now? Like, I need a new contract. <laughs> this is this is about to get
2: crazy. Like, guys, I'm going to have 95 catches. Forget about how many carry. How many catches did you talk? me he had last year. Like 70? I think he's going to have like 140. Oh, 90, okay, yeah. So 125.
3: What do you think? Every defensive coordinator when he when he addresses their defense on Wednesday. When they're playing the Giants, who's the first name that comes out of their mind? I mean, do they even talk about any other players? you even do a scouting report on any other guy? We stopped this guy. They have no ch- they don't have a snowball's chance in hell to stay within two scores of us. If we just shut down Saquon.
2: <laughs> they're the most one-dimensional team in the NFL?
3: Well, they they feel like 1997 Detroit Lions. But even the Detroit Lions that played on video games had Herman Moore... Scott Mitchell was pretty terrible, but they had Herman Moore, who caught a lot
2: of balls. Uh, what else? What what other NFL stories you like, John? I
3: saw this, and again, doesn't mean that much, but you just do the math. You're like, well, who else would be out there? DK Metcalf is basically a starter for Seattle. Like when they go two wide receiver sets, so only two wide receivers on the field, it's him and Tyler Lockett. There's two ways to look at that. One, that's a lot of speed. Like when you when you think about some deep bombs. Russell's hit the last couple years. It's been the little midget locket, who just who I like. I mean, he's a sweet little player. He can fly, and Russell throws that beautiful little, you know, the, the high arcing bomb. Well, that, you got two guys. There's a lot of speed. Maybe that opens up the run because if you're two wide receivers, means you probably got two running backs or two tight ends on the field. You're going to try to run it down their throat. Little play action. You like my little scheme talk here. A little play action, deep bomb.
2: I, I do. My question is, I'm looking at the depth chart. Who else is on their team on offense? Uh, I mean, running backs in Russell? I mean, this...
3: Who would you say their third receiver is looking at their depth chart? uh, Doug Baldwin, uh, retired.
2: David Moore. David Moore. Never heard of him. Jerron Brown. Malik Turner. um, uh, Amara Darbo. Keenan Reynolds. Rookie Gary Jennings. Rookie Terry Wright. Rookie... Who's John Ursua from? Wasn't he a guy somewhere? Mm, doesn't sound familiar. Uh, Jazz Ferguson or Daniel Williams? Who's our tight end? Nick, is it Vanette, Vanette, Will Disley? God. Jacob Hollister, Ed Dixon, Tyrone Swoops, or rookie Justin Johnson? I'm telling you, guy,
3: When I, my couple guys, when I'm just asking them questions about certain things, Whenever Seattle comes up. Now, they never discount them because the culture the toughness. They just say, just kind of peek at their roster. And don't look at number three. Look at everyone else. Look at their defense. Okay, don't look at three or 54. So, don't look at Bobby. Don't look at Russell Wilson. Look at the other 51 guys. They're not. They're punters really good. Hell, look at them. And it's still. Yeah, but part of when he's there, he makes every tackle. So, it's. He overcomes it. But they're, like, their defensive line, they got rid of Frank Clark. Uh, the dude, one of the guys just got suspended, who they drafted, Deshaun Sheed or Rashawn Reed or who? Uh, one of the Alabama guys. Jerron Reed. Jerron Reed, yeah. So he suspended, I think, six games from something that happened in college. They signed Ziggy Ansah.
2: Mm-hmm. Are, are
3: we sure? I, and again, Cassius I,
2: Marsh is on the team, John.
3: Good I'm boy. never disputing their culture or what they stand for. Do you, are are they a lock, eight-win team? Feels like their margin for error is a little slimmer this year, right? I mean, Doug Baldwin, even in limited time, still produced a little for him last year. Frank Clark was a Pro Bowl-level guy for them last year. They did have Earl Thomas the first four games before he broke his leg. They got a lot of nobodies. Now, they... They had a lot of nobodies last year, and they made the playoffs. So I'm, I you won't find me talking shit about them. But I'm, yeah, I'm keeping my eye out if they're just damn the Seahawks are four and six, you know. But they'd it, be a tough four and six. I mean, you wouldn't sign up to play them. No. The, with, to me, if they're going to have success, the two guys are going to combine for like twenty five hundred yards on the ground. Penny and Carson. I mean, they did draft Penny in the first round. So you draft a first mm-hmm. round running back. Am I am I getting Saquon? Well, obviously not. That's bold. No. But, uh, are you getting Sony Michel? I thought last year early on, Penny was fat. Then he looked better as the season went on. You
2: yeah, year you went on he got better. Uh you know I wouldn't mind hard knocks this year, John. Obviously Raiders number one Cardinals would be high on my list though. Give me Kyler, your Tyler Cliff. Well, I wasn't even thinking about it until I saw Warren Sharp just rattle off, like, their first-round picks before Kyler, like, the previous four years. And, like, Robert Kimdiche's not on the team anymore. Okay. And then you added—and then you retweeted and added, this, this is a GM that had a DUI last year hired Steve Wilkes, and then was allowed to hire his third coach after he fired Steve Wilkes after one year. And they had Cliff— Okay. Yeah, got fired at Texas Tech. Well, do you remember why he hired Steve Wilkes? He was on like vacation. He ran into him on the
3: beach from like a year ago. Well, he I hired him it. to
2: begin with, yeah.
3: I, I just.
2: They had the offensive lineman who's gone now, broke his leg. John traded. Cooper. Yeah. Yep. Josh Rosen, gone. Josh Rosen, gone. Kim Dice. Was there one? Who's the other one? I'll tell you here what you're saying, what you're about to say. Well, to
3: me, Kim Dice, one, he just showed up fat. Guy, that video, of the TMZ of him pulling out the cocaine, it was like, and the cop was even trying to like help, like nothing. There's a line of cocaine right here. What?
2: What? I. Well, they wouldn't have even saw the cocaine if there hadn't been a pre, uh, a existing issue that they had to arrest him for. They didn't arrest him for the cocaine. They were arresting him because they ran the plates, or they ran his. He had a war. Uh, he had a warrant for his arrest. Yeah, they, they ran his ID. But to me, they, they would found to. the
3: cocaine. They weren't searching the car. The cocaine was out on the center console with a line. Like the dude was blowing a line at the at the uh, gas station. I, I that's one of the crazier videos, guy. Like Ray Rice probably never getting topped. That's one of the crazier sports videos with like a non no one getting hit or anything I've ever seen. Just a line of cocaine on, and it was so clear. And someone's like. I remember I like, tweeted it out. I'm like, this is nuts. People are like, how do you know that's cocaine? Yeah, it's just a, a white line on a mirror on a center console with this guy. <laughs> you know? If with it was Larry police Fitzgerald, officer going- I'd be like, yeah, it's probably just his wife's makeup or something.
2: Also, a little context clue. The police officer like, hey, Barry, come look at this. What does that look like to you?
3: <laughs> yeah. the, are I you seeing this? Did you agree you could have cut him right there and no one would have said a word? What's that video service? Absolutely. Services? And remember like where are you going? He's like the football practice? So I started thinking yeah. this guy does cocaine. You know, most people get coffee in the morning. This guy does a line of blow. Which it's now kind of believable. It does make it. I mean,
2: it, you know, get you up for the day.
3: Well, but I'm just saying I think he was doing cocaine for practice, guy. I, that would be No, I know.
2: Guess. I'm just saying like, you know, you got to go go to practice, like wake you up.
3: Like I'll I'll give you one. Smelling salts. At least you draft Josh Rose in the first round. Other teams still want him, kind of. I mean, you got a second-round pick for a guy that was just picked number 10 12 months before. Do you see anyone signing this player in, in like, the next couple days? He's been terrible. He's been in trouble. And they're basically just blasting him like he's out of shape he's a turd. I'll be a little surprised, even in the NFL, if he's claimed. Now, will he sign? You can never say never in the NFL. But I think this guy's got a wake-up call coming. What, what team... Now, Gruden... <laughs> But they can never. They need some. D-line. I was waiting for you to get there. <laughs> like, hold on, he'll get there. It'll hit him. Yeah, hard, you know, it's like when Schreiber ends a hard knocks, and on the next episode, the Raiders bring in trouble player. Find out next
2: week. You know, it's him flying in. Yeah, like the sound, I always like the sound of your chain of the chain against like the microphone, like against and the keys. It's like all right. Well, you had some issues, huh? There, <laughs> like Gruden, right? Got a little trouble, huh? Yeah. How you feeling? <laughs> yes, sir. I'm ready to go. Yes, sir. <laughs>
3: no. You're right. Can't discount him. Never. never. I, I, Last I, I, chance I retract here. that line of thinking. I retract it. Yeah, he's, his career is by no means over. Uh, it should be, though. I mean, if if he, Yeah. I, if the Raiders... You can't. Richie, AB... Like, how many? Like, now you're starting to get the line of DeMarcate. Like, you're jumping the shark again. You know? Just let let it be what's the squad you got right now. You got Richie saying he's the team captain. You got Antonio ballooning. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, th- my theory is that general managers, the reason they keep their jobs longer in coaches is because the NFL business is a little shady, and a lot of weird shit happens with money, and they like keeping it in-house. That's why they don't let a lot of random people in the country club. Well, who's the one guy that does have a lot of access on the football side to the owner's way of thinking with money? It would be the GM. So, like, they know a lot of the secrets. You don't really want to let that guy out because he knows what you're doing. And I wonder... What secrets
2: which, are you talking about? Hold on. Now. You're talking about, like, uh, I'm not talking about parking like bear- lot revenue? What are you talking about?
3: Yeah, just, I just think there's some weird sh- shit that goes on with money in the NFL. Like, in any big business. And you just, slash, you feel comfortable with that guy
2: when you have these money talks. You don't want to start over. It's Yeah, look, I think it's a good... Uh, I like a good conspiracy theory. Don't you think part of it, even before you get to hiding, like protecting the skeletons of the I'm, closet, I'm not saying just- like
3: they're doing shady stuff with... Kind of, I'm just talking about... They, they're they talking about uncomfortable conversations about large sums of money that they just have with this one human. You feel comfortable doing that. Like, I can have a conversation about you with podcast money, and again, it's not Michael Bidwell money, but we aren't having that conversation just openly with other people, Right.
2: Yes, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying before you even get there, I think there's something more basic, right, which is just the GM is the football guy that spends the most time schmoozing the owner. So, like, in theory, the GM and the, uh, it, with the owner will have the best relationship with the GM of anybody on the football side. He'll just like him. He might just like him the most.
3: Well, I think he does like, like Steve's time. I think he likes him a lot. Right,
2: well, he does. But that's just the higher the... That's the higher where the relationship with the owner matters the most because the owner is the one that hires the GM, whereas the GM, in theory, hires the coach.
3: The list of the players that they've missed on in recent memory is pretty jolting, right? You're like, Jesus Christ, these guys haven't hit on a player in a long time. And and then to me, though, that even trumps that is your coaching situation. You had to fire Wilkes yeah, after one and
2: done. Did they, hit on, did they hit on Buda Baker? Eh, not really. Did they hit on David Johnson? Yes. Remember, they like that one. We like that one from the uh, from the show. But
3: that was a third round pick.
2: Yeah. Well, I know.
3: <laughs> they hit on Tony Jefferson. They hit on Tyron Matthews. He's hit on. He hit on Dion Buchanan. Like he hit on guys. You know he. But to me, it's just it feels like he's just out of control, and you know clearly, people. You know, does, does he have an alcohol problem? he he ain't he ain't just it ain't ain't dry now he still drinks so it's not one of those where he's like I can't drink anymore right I've put down alcohol that's not that's not him he still drinks he had a bad DUI in a city that now you could argue in any city in 2019 can't have DUIs but 4th of July in Scottsdale or wherever the hell he was in that general area for a guy that's lived there for and that's that's crazy guy that's insane and so they suspended him for the preseason, remember? And when does that happen? I'll give Bidwell some credit. Like he did it. He didn't they didn't wait for the league or anything. Like he's like, You get you're suspended. But clearly it didn't cost him his job. It's weird. It's right. you could argue Arizona is just a weird place. Like that
2: Yeah, well, it historically has been, right?
3: Yeah, it's just it's not a normal place.
2: Uh what else? Anything else we need to hit? Todd Gurley, load management, NBA? Yeah, I, I, I did. I don't know if you saw. I watched the video of uh, J.B. Long. I saw our buddy tweeted out a video of just it was just uh, Clay Matthews coming up a tunnel, and Eric Weddle coming up a tunnel in Rams like for practice. I was like, damn, <laughs> look at the Rams. They're it's feeling, weird. You yeah, know, they're feeling themselves.
3: I mean, they're not feeling I mean, they're just they're just, they just a little like, sweet. I just yeah, they're like uh, feeling themselves wrong word They're They're just embracing the culture like they are. There's L.A. I mean, it's just this is a big deal. You know, we're the fucking Rams. We're good. We just went to the Super Bowl. We got Clay Matthews from L.A., right? Because I saw, like, someone tweeted, Welcome home. <laughs> did, yeah. did you see Jerry? The way he got in front of the crowd at at, uh, at training camp with all the cheerleaders behind him addressing the fans? I mean, there is... And where's he? They, they, he's like, we, we do this in Oxnard. Like, you guys are part of our base. It's like Jerry's a showman. Like, Jerry can... It's like it's Donald Trumpian. He's just a marketer. And I, I think there's something with the Rams there, too. I, The thing where I don't put much stock in at all to Zeke, to not Zeke, but Gurley, his arthritis, when you hear these people talk about it, it just comes and goes. It's not – there's no load management to the pain. Some days he'll just wake up and be in pain. Some days he won't. That's the scary thing with him. Like, he's just kind of shocked. Right, you can't
2: because- say, let's just give him 15 carries a week and that'll be fine.
3: Yeah, to me load management in the NBA is like just to keep Clay fresh or to keep LeBron fresh. Load management when you have arthritis is just man, we're not gonna waste any carries in training camp with arthritis, so we might as well just hope to God we I, I, I think he's a shell of himself. I think his career is closer to done than we'll ever see a big moment. Now, I'm not a doctor, I don't know for sure, but I think it's I think they told you everything you needed to know guy when they drafted a running back in the in the early in the third round. No. like they basically admit and listen I I wasn't that high on Gurley his first couple of years I thought he was a little fly, a little not fraudulent but like a little flawed for all the hype he was getting because he had bad vision once McVeigh got there he became an elite player so it, it sucks for the league because I know you draft every year for your fantasy draft for your wife He's where was he flying off the board last year I forgot about that yeah pretty high i mean uh,
2: uh, yeah for, yeah first or second right the last couple years yeah well like levy and david johnson i think were like the one two combo last year if in the auto draft because i remember Alyssa auto drafted by accident levy on bell well to me like it didn't work out very well if you remember levy on uh, oh my god didn't take a snap wasn't yeah. that productive <laughs> like if you did auto draft right now who would be the pick saquon good question
3: but you'd think right but isn't that a little risky? What if their team sucks and he just gets corralled?
2: Yeah, but... Yeah. Who would you want a lot to? of that's just kind of based on last year's production. I know. Zeke? I feel like. Yeah, I
3: agree. Well, football's back, guy. All right. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, it is. E- Even if Zeke isn't. Ease.com, promo code ham. Ease.com, promo code ham. Easewellness.com, promo code ham.
3: Later. Pr- promo code ham. See ya.